welcome to Conversations About Life. Well, thanks, Luke, for being on the podcast with me. Well, thank you for inviting me. I I appreciate the uh, the opportunity to get to have a discussion with you. So, <laughs> great. So, as far as introduction goes, you're a young man, like around twenty. Mm-hmm. Yep, I'll be twenty one in April. So, okay. <laughs> and your dad is in the construction business, so you have some experience with that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then you lead music at our church. Yeah. You've been doing that for a few years now, haven't you? Yeah, it's been I think close to three years now, but I don't I think I had played before but not really led before that time, but I think probably for sure the last couple years um doing some leading. So Okay. And then you're from a big family, um it's nine kids? Mm-hmm. Yep. And expecting another? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I have uh, eight sisters, and then I have a little brother on the way. So he'll be here in March. Okay. Wow. Exciting. Yeah. I'm really excited about that. It's been a a long time coming. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, let's see. Um, I guess, how else would you describe yourself, I think? You know, we'll just start off like that. Yeah, so... Uh, I think uh, I do enjoy uh, music. I enjoy being uh, outside and doing things, um, particularly just in the woods. Uh, I think I don't get to do that quite as much as I would like, but uh, looking forward to actually tomorrow, uh, the rifle season for deer opens up in Missouri. So we'll be uh, out in the woods tomorrow, Lord willing, and hopefully, uh, getting to, to see some deer, but that's, uh, I think there's a, a big part of my life is uh, wrapped around my family. Uh, we do a lot of things together and, uh, just really enjoy each other's company and, and, uh, being, uh, being together, kind of learning how to, to, to live together, I think is, is a big part of, of what we do. Um, and with that, I was homeschooled, so that kind of has a big, I think, uh, definitely shaped me, you know, in in a lot of the areas of, of my life and who I've kind of become, uh, kind of explains, I guess, the importance of family in my life, kind of having always been around my family, but then, you know, being taught by my mom and, and my dad some, some things and just uh, really... Uh, seeing the value in those things and also um, how that really shapes your worldview, I think is really important. Um, uh, just being, having a, a worldview that's based in scripture and around God, just being um, a really uh, defining characteristic, I guess, of who who we are as as our family, but <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know if that's kind of answering the question or... <laughs> I forgot what the question was, but yeah, that's yeah. okay. <laughs> um, well, that's kind of interesting. So when I was your age, um, I wasn't really family-centered, I don't mm. think. Um, 
I think I had a more of an individualistic streak um, where I just wanted to be an individual more, be be out on my own, I guess. I don't know. I just didn't value family as much. Now um, I've got good relationships with my parents. I'm glad that they're doing well and good relationships with my siblings. So I'm really, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for those close relationships. But um, yeah, I think, you know, my upbringing was quite a bit different than yours mm. as far as going to public school and everyone being kind of kind of segregated into their own age group. And um, and then as soon as I graduated that same year, you know, I was off into the Navy. I got married that same year. You know, so a lot happened. Mm. And it was, my attitude was just more about me and what I was becoming and stuff. I just wasn't mm. as family focused. So it's a little harder. It's hard for me to relate as growing up and just being so family focused, what mm. that must be like. But it sounds good because those family connections are, are really rich. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like what, you know, as humans, we're made for a relationship. We're made to mm-hmm. be connected to people. And then, you know, what a better way to do that than, you know, in your family. Yeah. So it's pretty neat. Yeah, that's that's something that I think my mom especially has really driven home with me and, and my sisters is just that, you know, it is really important, like you said, w- that we are made for relationships. And, you know, like you said, how much better than the relationships in your family with the people that you are going to spend every day with, you know, up until you move out and, and really most likely start your own family. Um but the idea that, you know, it is really important to build other friendships as well, you know, and to, to you know, surround yourself with good friends and good influences, but also understanding that a lot of the time the Lord brings into your life the friends that you need for that time in your life, and then you may you know, circumstances change and you may not really see those people anymore or be friends with those uh, or be as good or close of friends with those people, but that you'll always be, you know, a brother or a sister to your siblings and really cultivating those relationships and understanding that, you know, God has put us together for a reason. We can, you know, bless and benefit each other with our, you know, personalities and our giftings and and understanding that, you know, as the other relationships kind of come and go, so to speak, that, you know, the family relationships will always be there, you know, and kind of not that you don't value other friendships, but make sure that you are valuing your family relationships um, just because they will be... Um, if you value them early, it will be easier to continue to value them and to stay close even as the Lord kind of directs your lives outward from your family. So, Right. Yeah, um, and I guess long-term friendships are not super common. Mm. You know, that you said they come and go, but they can... Um, they can happen, and mm-hmm. they do grow richer over the years. Yeah, you know, but um, definitely, 
it's not a good idea to jump over family relationships mm. to put the priority on other relationships. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where I'm, you know, I'm really thankful for the friendships I have outside of my family as well. Um, there are, you know, a lot of, you know, since I don't really have, I don't have any brothers yet, you know, I, I have a lot of really good, you know, brothers in Christ that I try to, to build relationships with and, and, you know, kind of that iron sharpening iron from Proverbs with, with some guys, especially from church, but just how it is one of those things that kind of like you said, it's not that you don't value the relationships outside of the family, but, you know, making sure that you aren't sacrificing the family relationships for, you know, a relationship that, well, I'm not sure that I like how that is coming together. I could rephrase that, that I think there have been instances that I've seen where, you know, siblings maybe will just completely fracture their relationship for a friendship with someone else. Right. And then that friendship may not last, you know, mm-hmm. and what for whatever reason, it, it they move on from that. And then they've, you know, really hurt their relationship with their sibling mm-hmm. over something that was kind of fleeting almost. Or I don't know if that, I'm trying to think about how that... I think that's how that right. is. <laughs> it makes sense. I've seen that happen before and just, you know, understanding that, you know, you don't want to idolize your family relationships, you know, and and they aren't the, you know, the end all be all of right. of relationships. But, you know, I just see particularly in our culture, they don't value those family relationships really mm-hmm. almost at all. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, it hurts me to see people living like that just because I can experience, you know, the richness and the blessings of those relationships that the Lord has put in my life. And, and, you know, as the culture goes, it isn't always even just the family relationships that aren't valued, but really I think relationships in general kind of are, are extremely undervalued by our culture. Um, just, and I think that it could be part of that is the kind of virtual everything almost, where you get a bunch of virtual friends but don't really know any of them, or you know, don't really actually take time to cultivate those relationships. And you know, mm-hmm. I guess if you kind of use that, like the almost a, a gardening metaphor really of if you're not you know taking care of and tending those relationships they're gonna you know wither and wilt and eventually die off because you're not caring for them so right right um sometimes meeting someone new um it can be exciting with just the potential that might come from it but um we do need uh, to cultivate and nourish those long-term relationships mm-hmm. um, rather than just being too shallow and, you know, and broad over, you know, with a whole lot of people, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's where I think there's kind of a, to have friends, you have to be a friend kind of uh, mentality a little bit and, and understanding that 
um, I don't go through my life like cultivating relationships with the mindset that, you know, this is probably going to end one day. Like, I think that is maybe something I should throw in there because I don't, I don't want people to be like, oh man, this guy really just thinks relationships are, you know, they're here and gone and you don't really care. Like, I definitely really, you know, value the relationships and friendships that I have. And even as friendships change and, and, you know, you may not be as close with some people as you once were, I think if you had practiced the and and cultivated that relationship in a healthy way, when you do interact with those people again, it is a blessing and a and a and a beneficial time. You know, I think of friends that I have, you know, that may live in in different states or things like that, where you know they aren't. Um, we just aren't as close because we, you know, we we don't get to see each other very often. But those times that we do get to see each other are often very, you know, rich and sweet times because, you know, they were cultivated in such a way that when you could come back together and see each other, it was a good, you know, a good thing and not like an awkward like, oh, I haven't, you know, I haven't seen you so we're not friends anymore. Because I do think that friendships are lasting but it is one of those things that you have to, you know, kind of say it again, I guess, cultivate it in a way that, you know, mm-hmm. that you can come back to that and it still be a, a good thing. But <laughs> Right. Um, you have any thoughts about cultivating any, um, you know, relationships, um, how to make the most of the time that you spend with people? for the purpose of um, growing and also enjoying those relationships? Mm. Um, Yeah, I think that um, there are some things that that you can can do and, and really probably just particularly gleaning from Scripture, really, you know, principles for how to, to live, you know, with other people is, you know, um, valuing them first of all because they are an image bearer of God you know and mm-hmm. and with that understanding that the differences that you may have are you know kind of ordained by the Lord like just because someone is is different from you doesn't mean that's a bad thing and oftentimes it's a good thing you know we can't if we were all the same you know we would just, it would be really bland so to speak but right. you know and and kind of looking at differences not as something to divide over but you know things that the lord puts in our lives to teach us lessons and to learn how to to be in relationship with different people i think that's kind of something that's counterintuitive but also countercultural in a sense because it it seems like there's the tendency for people to kind of clump into groups yeah. with people that they are you know, alike with, and, and I, you know, I'm not saying that I'm a, uh, above that, or, you know, I, I find myself doing that too. Um, but I think it's something that as you are kind of cultivating those relationships, valuing someone based on how the Lord sees them as important, mm-hmm. you know, understanding that they are, um, valuable and and really worth getting to know and worth being a friend to because of the value and worth that 
that Christ puts on people, you know, and, and just, you know, the ideas of, of uh, being genuinely interested in someone else, um, mm-hmm. I think is important to kind of growing that relationship so that's long lasting. I think people are pretty good at seeing through something that's superficial and just kind of, you know, uh, doing it for the almost like the looks of doing it. Like, well, I want to appear friendly, so I mm-hmm. will act like this. And I think people can kind of can see through that pretty easily. Like, mm-hmm. someone who is tr- truly friendly, you know, will I think be genuinely interested in you know how how your life is going, but also you know, kind of being a good listener. I guess is one of the things. I think that's something that, you know, I've seen in my life, you know, it's it's an area to grow in because I can be uh, prone to talk and to want to express myself while maybe not giving people an opportunity to do the same. So I think that's something that I've had to kind of grow in and, you know, I've by no means arrived, but I catch myself a lot and listen, you know, just stop and and listen and try to understand where they're coming from. And, you know, listening to, to understand instead of listening to respond has been something that has really Hmm. been a kind of a big, I think, uh, kind of a stepping stone, I guess, for me of like kind of understanding that, um, how, how that affects relationships and how it affects people and how, you know, if you are listening to understand and because that is showing, you know, someone that you care, that you want to to truly understand where they're coming from, why they think the way that they do and why, you know, that kind of uh, shapes the way that they react to certain things. It gives you better insight into who that person is so that you can be a better friend to that person, but then also they will feel, you know, genuinely cared for and loved by your, um, your patient just and, and kind listening and, and being there for that person instead of, you know, just wanting to come in and really, well, I, I have all the answers to all of your right. problems. Cause that's something for me, I think as a guy, but then my personality can be very like, well, let me fix it for you. Let me, you know, mm-hmm. let me try to figure out how we can can fix the problem. But you know, a lot of the time, people people kind of have at least an idea of what the the problem is or how to fix their problems. And it's not so much that they're you know struggling with something because they don't know the answer, but it's hard to apply the answer a lot of the time. So, mm-hmm. kind of. That's something that I've had to, to try to to be better at, especially with my sisters, you know, as we will as we're getting older and kind of dealing with harder or heavier things, I think, as you just kind of growing up is is hard sometimes and and learning how to deal with those situations can be uh, just just hard. And I think that's where it is really important to as you're kind of cultivating relationships, um, having a, a good basis 
in scripture and kind of basing, especially if you're going to try to advise someone, making sure that what you're going to say isn't just worldly wisdom or wisdom that you've kind of come up with just in your own heart kind of thing, but but seeing how it applies, you know, or how it how it squares with scripture, so to speak, and how how those things can uh based on what we already know about life and relationships from what scripture tells us, how that applies then to the situation. So kind of trying to be um for me when I'm trying to listen and my impulse is, well, let me fix the problem. <laughs> you know, like my sisters, I think, have have told me before, it's like, it's not that I don't know that. Mm-hmm. It's just that it's hard to apply it to the situation or that it's hard in the situation to uh, to always know exactly how to apply it. Because I think that's the other thing is, because I know that I fail often too in just situations of like how we are supposed to live out our Christianity in our lives and knowing that we have a basis for that, you know, through, you know, the scripture that, that God has given us. And, you know, just we like we have the head knowledge, but then the everyday living it out is the hard part. Right. So. <laughs> yeah. So you've just been expressing to me like this kind of understanding you've come to, like you started it off by summing it up, um, you know, learning that it's good to understand uh, rather than just to respond and so forth. Mm. So like how has growing and understanding worked for you? Like you know, as far as like that, you know, gaining that, is it just something that um, through life you just, you know, kind of are growing in this understanding? Or is the process of growing and learning, is it more of like a journaling out your thoughts and just wrestling with things? Or is it um, in some different way that you, um, you know, kind of work through things in order to, you know, have this understanding now, you know, and that was just an example of it, but I was just kind of curious about how that works for you. Like, how do you grow? How do you um, gain understanding something like that or something along Mm. those lines? Yeah. So I think that there is a, a lot of, how do I so I'm trying to figure out how to kind of word this exactly. I think that a lot of understanding has to do with being considerate and kind of trying to view things from someone else's perspective, which is hard for me because I'm very like black and white kind of like this is this is wrong and this is right there there you know like gray areas really are mm-hmm. hard for me in, in some things but then I think that this is kind of where the relationships come to play in that is if you 
I think that f- for understanding, you need time and and then, like I said, kind of having, uh, trying to, to consider things from someone else's perspective. And I think the time comes in with, for me, this has been a journey of years and years of like, not considering things from someone else's perspective, being angry that I don't understand, or like just being angry that that they don't see things from my perspective, and then kind of being taught, listen, everyone can't be just like you. You know, everyone doesn't think just like you, and it would be it would be bad if everyone did think just like you. So instead of being frustrated that that they don't consider things the same way that you do. Try to understand from their perspective what 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 their thought process is behind it. And I think in doing that, it helps you understand better where where they're coming from and that helps you to know whether or not in a way <laughs> if what they're thinking is is wrong or right or just different or because I think that's can be kind of a, 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 a hard thing for me is I, tr- I, I feel like whether I'm wrong or right, I tend to be pretty certain of what I think about things. So then when someone comes in and kind of thinks about something differently than I do, there is potential for conflict. So that's something that just in my family, kind of being taught how to not just always have a conflict when there is a difference, but trying to kind of understand, okay, they think differently about this. Is it because what they're thinking is wrong or just different? And I think that's something that, you know, I've kind of had to uh, learn as a as a as a younger kid kind of growing up into now and I've and definitely not arrived again I, I'll say I fail at this you know pretty often but well it seems like you're pretty intentional in um, wanting to learn wanting to grow I mean um, is and does this growth um, come about just through the experience and just the the trying and the, and the wanting to grow and um, well, what motivates you, I guess, mm. in growing in maturity and understanding and um, and just wisdom, just the way you do things and so forth. Um, it seems like that's important to you, and it seems like you've progressed well for you know a young man your age. Um, where does that motivate drive comes come from and and then how does that um work out in your life like what do you do is if anything in particular in order to be i guess mm. maybe it's just something you keep in mind that you just want to grow but what motivates you and, and stuff yeah. like that um so there's a lot of i think you kind of said how does it work itself out. I do think that there is a lot of trial and error, kind of, so to speak, but just, mm-hmm. it, I think that is something where, at least in m- my family, and being homeschooled and being around the same people, 
you know, all the time, you kind of get tons of practice at being in relationship with those people. And so as you are kind of learning how to be uh, better, because I think that's where my, my motivation comes from a desire to do things in a way that honors the Lord. So whenever you are trying to do that, and I think for me, part of that is understanding that the standard is perfection. And and while understanding that that is not going to be attainable by me in this world and in this flesh, understanding that because there is the standard of, you know, this is how things ought to be, kind of trying to, to get to that place is something that I, I do think about kind of a lot and try to kind of direct my actions in that way. So, for example, growing up with my family and with my sisters in particular, uh, like, as we would grow up together and have certain disagreements or conflicts, kind of learning how to work through that and how to not let those disagreements be a big, like a big deal, I guess, you know, and and kind of trying to work through those things because relationships are important, kind of figuring out how to do those relationships to the best of my ability has kind of been a motivating factor, I guess. Hmm. So I think it, it kind of just, it, I guess it just kind of springs out of that a little bit of, of my kind of desire to, to honor Christ and understanding that in, in friendships and relationships to honor Christ is to be considerate and loving and kind and, you know, not quick to, to be angry or not quick to try to fix things. But, you know, because I think of, of Jesus, you know, perfect son of God coming down from heaven to live among us sinful human beings, he always had the right answer. You know, he always had the the perfect fix for whatever problem someone was facing and yet there was there was this love and care and compassion that he always showed to sinful people who really by no merit of their own deserve that you know and but because Christ values those people i mean he you know he was willing to lay down his life for you know, these people that had sinned against him and, and kind of understanding that if Christ can, can come and being perfect, live among imperfect people and treat them with perfect kindness and love, then that is something that we should be striving for in our pursuit of being a reflection of Christ. So mm-hmm. I think that's kind of a yeah. A really long answer to... <laughs> well, thanks. You know, as far as your family closeness, mm. did how did that come about? Like, did your was your parents raised up 
in that way? Or was there something that happened in their lives that just gave them that, um, you know, uh, desire for to be family focused and to be close as a family? Or do you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. So the family closeness that we have is due in, in really large part, I think, to um, my parents being really intentional about it. Mm -hmm. So, and as far as their background, I think that my dad, he was kind of raised in, um, well, he, like he went to public school and things like that. And, you know, he just kind of generally felt like he didn't know his siblings very well, almost, or like they didn't have as strong of relationships as other families that he had seen or, you know, and so that's kind of where he kind of saw the working out of, of, of good, but just not extremely close relationships, I think. And then I think as far as my mom's side, they grew up closer and having close relationships with each other, but then kind of seeing ways to improve, I think, on those relationships maybe, and and kind of understanding that, um, I would say, I'll just use my dad's family, I think, as an example. Having gone to public school and things like that, the sports in the public schools were really important to my dad's family, really. They all played sports and we're all really involved in that, and um, that really took away a lot of family time, you know, and and kind of, as you said before, um, having that kind of more individualistic outlook on things and mm-hmm. kind of even being segregated, like you said, by age a lot, you know, mm-hmm. where, um, you know, my dad and his siblings all went to the same school, but may not really see each other or, you know, spend time with each other at school because you just, I don't, you just don't really do that. Like you hang out with, with your people kind of, so to speak. And, Mm -hmm. and so I think that the kind of desire for a close knit family coupled then with my mom's desire to have a big family (laughs) kind of led to um kind of led to where we are today because i think um my my mom my mom's mom (laughs) is one of 12 but then my my mom is is one of three and Mm -hmm. she was also the youngest so she always kind of wanted younger siblings and and things like that um and always just loved the big family, you know, kind of aspects of, of like getting together with my grandma's side of the family. Mm-hmm. So, oh, sorry. <laughs> so yeah. then uh, that kind of led her into, you know, desiring to have the bigger family and have, you know, have uh, lots of kids and have, you know, close relationships with the her kids, but then also having her kids have close relationships with each other was just really important to her. And I think as you kind of are in that kind of homeschool environment, 
it can be, I think it can go kind of one of a, a few different ways. I just kind of like, I think my mom had seen homeschool families where the siblings really grew up and just didn't like each other <laughs> because when you're around each other all the time, you can see each other's, you know, weaknesses and, and really, you know, the things about each other that, that you just may not like, you know, or, but then I think her kind of seeing that and, and seeing that that is not what she wanted, kind of trying to understand and how to f- figure out how to not do that while still being around each other all the time. And, and then I guess figuring out how to be around each other all the time and love each other in spite of it almost. <laughs> right. But not really necessarily in spite of it, but more because of it, I think. And mm-hmm. so kind of trying to, to, to change your mindset on that is counterintuitive for me because there are times whenever it's like, I, I, I don't want to do what everyone else is doing necessarily or like I, I don't understand why you like that or why you are like want to do that. But then understanding that it isn't like wrong for them to like those things. It isn't, you know, bad for them to want to do those things. And then kind of that idea of self-sacrifice to an extent of like, but because I love you and want to spend time with you and want to be close with you, I will do that with you, you know, because while I may not care about this thing that we're doing, I do care about you and I care about you being happy and, and, you know, I'm glad that this is a way that, you know, you can get joy through whatever it is. Because I think, you know, there are just different things. Like for me, you know, I I do enjoy like sports or, you know, things like hunting or, you know, being, doing things like that. But then my sisters, you know, that while they may, like, while we may enjoy sports like volleyball together, like if I am wanting to, like, watch a football game, they may not, you know, enjoy that or like that as much, but they are willing to, you know, let me and my dad watch the football game and maybe even watch it with us and then trying to kind of understand the game and, like, those things where I can see how they have kind of gone from not liking football to then kind of now enjoying it more because they took the time to kind of understand it, but then also it being kind of something that we can do together as a family and that kind of being, you know, a, uh, a, a motivating factor, I guess, in that where now, you know, where we may not have enjoyed that as much or they may not have enjoyed that as much. Now they enjoy it more because, you know, it's something that they do for us more than for themselves and then me and my dad can you know watch like a hallmark christmas movie with them (laughs) you know while not just loving and enjoying that you know in and of ourselves but you know in a in kind of a a, a sacrificial way in a sense you know doing it for them or and probably coming to understand them a little bit better through the process, perhaps, yeah, by yeah. understanding what they enjoy. 
Well, um, yeah, I heard your family really likes shooting, living out in the yeah. country. <laughs> Do your sisters yeah. like that too? Yeah, so that's been something that we can all kind of do together and enjoy as far as you know there is kind of an age cut off with that because yeah. you know they are guns are and can be dangerous but you know you have to just kind of understand how to handle them correctly but yeah that's something that um as i've gotten older and gotten into a little bit more and then my dad you know we've done it some together and then the girls kind of seeing that and being around it and liking that now we if we do some shooting there are usually, you know, some of the older girls doing it with us. And that's something that, that I do enjoy. Um, I, I like to, to do that. I like doing it together. Um, it's hard whenever ammunition prices are what they are yeah. today, but, um, but it is something that, that I think we can kind of do together and enjoy though. And that's just, I don't know, it's a neat thing. <laughs> you know, you were talking about, um, when we were talking about just closeness and why your parents might value that, you mm. mentioned your dad, you know, seeing an example of that. Mm. And what came to my mind is just how powerful examples are, that mm-hmm. they can change a life or change someone else's trajectory. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of encouraging because when we're, um, you know, that that just means there's a lot of potential to our lives mm-hmm. to affect other people, and we might not even realize it. Um, when it's happening, but um, anyway, that's pretty good. And we've all benefited mm-hmm. from the examples of other people, and we can be a benefit to others just by doing, the, living uprightly, or just doing mm-hmm. the right thing, and just showing, you know, being a display of um, how good that is. I guess mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, that is something that um, I really think is important as Christians to let your light shine, you know, and, you know, it's kind of a, I think it's Matthew five sixteen. you know, let your light so shine among men that they will see your good works and then glorify your Father in heaven. So I think there's kind of a lot of different things under that, but we as Christians need to not be ashamed of the gospel and in that not be ashamed of being different, you know, from the world And like you said, being an example of something that is different and something that is better can positively influence, you know, someone else's life in such a way that, you know, we may not even ever see the end results of that. But, you know, it doesn't really matter, you know, if we can see it, because really, we are getting to be a part of the grand story that that God has has worked out from before the foundations of the earth, you know, and as we are just kind of going about our days, you know, if we are striving to live for Him, the ways that we live for Him can be an example to others and can point them to Christ, you know, I think that's something that is really just a neat thing, like you said, because while it can be hard to follow Christ in a world that is so really just kind of antagonistic towards Christianity or towards people that will say, you know, we have, like, the truth, you know, because people don't even want to believe that there is 
you know, absolute truth, we can, by living, you know, according to godly standards, actually show people that there is a better way. You know, because I think that's even just kind of using my dad as an example again, like kind of even just being around my mom's family whenever they were kind of dating and, and getting to know one another. And, and then eventually they, you know, got married and, and that um, seeing how their family relationships were different than my dad's family and their family relationships and kind of my, my dad seeing how that was a good thing and a beneficial thing, you know, just by virtue of my mom's family having lived out their Christianity in front of my dad, it was it was a blessing to him, and it had changed, like you said, the trajectory of his life. Because there are things that will just get kind of passed down through families, I think, particularly, you know, things like how you do family relationships gets kind of... Uh, passed down the line because I think that um, you have kind of maybe poor examples of how relationships go. And then as a kid kind of growing up under those poor examples, then you don't really learn how to do it any better yourself. And then, you know, those kids grow up to have kids who have kids. And, you know, without, you know, seeing the Lord's intervention in those things, they just kind of continue. But whenever you do see the Lord working in people's lives and changing those things, and, and you know, you can see how there are people who, who have been saved out of really bad family situations who then grow up, you know, in Christ and then have families that are, are completely different than the families they grew up in. Mm-hmm. And it's such a blessing for me to see that because it proves, you know, that the things that the Bible tells us are true in a, in a way, you know, not that, you know, God's word needs proving from human, you know, life, but it's an encouraging thing to see God's promises fulfilled, you know, in just everyday life. But, that, um, that it's kind of, uh, it shows that there's something healthy and Mm. nurturing and something to these Christian principles. Mm -hmm. Like I think of what Jesus said, uh, wisdom is known by her children, I think Mm. along those lines. So I'm, I imagine that's, or the way I take it, that's kind of what he's referring to that, you know, something can be evaluated by how it proves out if you were to follow it or something Mm. along those lines. Mm hmm. Um, you know, so are you more of an introvert or extrovert, like as far as, um, processing through your thoughts, do you try to get away and do that alone or is, or does it work better for you to do that in a group and to get it out there with words? Or I, I guess that's kind of how I think of introvert, extrovert, or Mm -hmm. some people refer to like, um, when you you know what drains you compared to what gives you energy, you know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. an extrovert more, you know, would be energized by being around people, um, whereas an introvert might be drained and have to get away by themselves more often and stuff. Mm. Um, so, do you work through your thoughts alone, or 
do you need to get into a group and, you know, or another person and um, just put it out with, there with words to process through things? Yeah, I, uh, I would say I definitely tend to be more of a verbal processor. And okay. so oftentimes that taking part, you know, either with family members or friends or, you know, just... Okay, because I tend to, I think I do a little bit of both where I get, I'll be thinking about something and thinking about it and, you know, almost like I get to this point where I've told my family before, like, I've been thinking about this till it's driving me crazy. Now I need to like, I need to get this out there and like, let's, let's talk about this because I'm about to drive myself crazy thinking about this. So, (laughs) so that tends to be, um, something that I think it just depends the sometimes the magnitude of the 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 issue maybe um, some smaller things I may try to work through on my own because I think that's something that while I definitely value and and really love my family and 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 love that they will you know kind of talk with me and work through things I think that there does come a point where I also need to be able to do that on my own a little bit, you know, where, where I can be, um, like in a sense, like I, I can think for myself, like I can, you know, arrive at conclusions, you know, on my own, because I think that's kind of part of growing up to an extent is, you know, as you are working through things, you know, you learn to think for yourself and make decisions for yourself and things like that but not necessarily at the expense of seeking godly counsel in those things. So I, I would say that I am uh, tend to be a verbal processor, though, and especially if it's a, a bigger issue or something that I'm struggling with, I want to sit down with someone and just talk about it and kind of hash it out, so to speak. Cause and is it, the thing that's helpful about that, like the other person in their reply, or is it just that you do going through the process of talking about it? I think it's some of both. Um, okay. Sometimes I need to to be able to work through my kind of kind of order my thoughts out loud, so to right. so to speak. But then also getting the feedback from others, like because I will I'll, I'll ask people whenever I'm trying to hash things out, like, am I thinking about this right? Like, am I? Because mm-hmm. I can be like kind of like I said earlier, I can be really kind of certain or kind of set on what I think about things. But then that can lead me to be somewhat uh, questioning of those things. Like, I know that I believe this and I'm pretty set on this, but am I, am I wrong in thinking that? Do you think that this lines up? Is this logical or does this square with scripture? You know, am, am I being driven by my emotions and thinking this? Or am I, you know am I right in thinking about this in this way? So I think that um, there is, uh, there's value and benefit to both of that, being able to kind of just get it out of my head and, and out, you know, out there, but then getting the feedback from other people. Yeah, I think that that's a good point that you're making about that. Or, you know, I think you're kind of off base on this, or I think that scripture tells us this about this, you know, situation. So, um, and, and really trying to have things based on scripture, because that's something else that is kind of a side note, I guess a little bit is I can be confident 
in myself that like, I think that this is true and I think it's based on this scripture, but does that line up with maybe the context of that scripture or, you know, am I taking that out of context to suit what I think about something or so just kind of being able to get that out there is helpful. Cause I, I, as much as whenever I was younger, the differences sometimes confused me or irritated me. I can see how the different thought processes and perspectives are actually really helpful, especially in dealing with um, the kind of bigger things in life. So, hmm. so that's that's interesting, but it's so different than me because um, for me, if I have something that I need to think through, and I just have to get by myself, I have to get out my journal or paper, mm-hmm. and I have to just write out what I think and then look at it and think about it and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, um, but that's interesting um, to, to do that like in a group or with another person. Um, do, so during these times, are they just kind of casual times where you're, um, you're ha- you happen to be with some other people and you just bring up something? Or in your family, do you all meet um, f- in a more structured way because mm. we're going to meet and we're going to talk? or something along those lines. Yeah, I think that it usually tends to be more of a casual thing or just if I'm, you know, if I'm hanging out with a friend or uh and I'm just been dealing with something like hey, what do you think about this? Am I off base and feeling this way about this or am I thinking about this completely wrong? Um but I would say as far as family um things it's usually more casual too usually you know something maybe uh, gets brought up around the dinner table or or something like that um there are times that i would say maybe uh more structured i would say those would be times like i've reached out to some people like hey can we meet and i need to i need to talk about this or you know i'm i'm dealing with something could we could we maybe grab coffee or could, you know, just, I need to talk. I, I'd like to talk to you about right. this or that or, or or the other thing. So um, I would say sometimes if it's with people outside of the family, it's maybe, I don't know, it could be more of a structured thing, I guess. Like I may reach out and be like, hey, I'd like to talk to you specifically. Because sometimes there are things that, um, you know, they're just not as good group discussions sort of things like that so yeah or you know i may wait until some of the younger girls are in bed or something like that to to bring up um a certain topic or conversation but a lot of it um i think happens somewhat naturally in our family just because it's something that we try to be intentional to do things like maybe have dinner together, you know, pretty regular. Like, we almost always have dinner together. Like, Hmm. and that's just something that it's not necessarily like you can't go do dinner somewhere else or with someone else. But Mm -hmm. we, as a family, just have kind of always had that time together where, you know, we may be busy, you know, doing our other things throughout the day, but then we can always almost always come home and just kind of 
crash a little bit almost where it's like, okay, we're in the place that we all, you know, are comfortable in and can kind of decompress a little bit just from like the, the stress of the day or, you know, just kind of work through, you know, it, cause I, th- I mean, it even comes up somewhat naturally. Well, how was your day today? You know, that can be, well, you know, it was pretty good, pretty normal. Nothing really happened or, oh my goodness, work today was so, was so stressful. This happened and that happened. And this person was really, really difficult to deal with or, you know, just, and then kind of trying to figure out, you know, okay, so how do we, you know, how, like my mind always, almost always goes to, okay, so how can I do that better next time? Or like, so if I'm had a really stressful day at work or someone was really like a, I don't know, a customer or something was difficult to work with, kind of trying to understand like, is there a way to do this better? Or is this just kind of one of those things that you just have to learn how to handle correctly? And, you know, so just conversations like that, I think, can come up more right. naturally. But it's because you were intentional about having that time together. So Right. So earlier in our conversation, you mentioned the word gospel. So just f- f- for the sake of anyone who might not be familiar with the word, I mean, it's a pretty popular word, mm. but for someone who's not a part of a Christian culture or a church culture, it might still just be kind of elusive just what that refers to but i guess it's like a word referring to a message a message Mm. of good news Mm -hmm. but how would you summarize it you know as far as like what that christian message is you know that good news is yeah so i think that you know the gospel like you said is good news and i think that it really goes back to the very beginning you have to start at the beginning so you know god created the world he, you know, created a perfect place for his creatures, you know, his the his creation to live in. You know, he created man and then woman and they were living together in perfect harmony and peace and you know, they were walking with God. Um and then sub, like kind of subsequent to that, then they fell, you know, fell into sin, disobeyed God's uh law. Um but then God promised them hope, you know, from that fall, you know, they fell into sin. God had told them, you know, don't, don't eat of this, the, the tree of knowledge of good and, and evil, but they ate anyway. So then they fell into sin, which the consequences of that sin was, you know, according to God's law was death, but God was merciful, you know, didn't, you know, put them to death right then and there, and then promised them a hope of a Savior who could save them from their sins. So then, you know, you go throughout the course of human history up until then Jesus Christ comes to the earth. He is God's Son. Um, He came to save people from sin. He lived perfectly and fulfilled God's uh, law died on the cross for our sins, rose again from uh, the dead, and then uh, gives us the the gift of salvation for those that will put their faith and trust in Him. So I think that kind of then will culminate in the, 
the restoration of all things. Whenever Christ returns again, he is promised to come back, and uh, that in that day we will be, uh, those who have put their faith and trust in him will be uh, taken with him to heaven to live in uh, restored perfection with with God forever. So that's the uh, the good news of the gospel in, in a nutshell, I think. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, thank you. Um, I guess just, you know, one thing, one aspect of it that uh, comes to mind is just the restoration of creation mm-hmm. um so it's not so much like um well i don't know how it's all going to be played out of yeah. course but it's not so much like uh just kind of being ge- you know being on a cloud or something somewhere mm. but mm-hmm. it's like the recreating of heaven and earth and mm-hmm. the resurrection of our bodies and and all of that so mm-hmm. and uh but that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a it is a really really glorious hope to have, especially in in times that I think we're living in. Whenever we see so much going wrong, you know, and I think that there are a lot of false hopes out there. You know, people put their hope um, a lot in things like uh, politics, or you know, if this would just happen, then we would have perfection here on Earth. Mm-hmm. I think that that is really uh, just flawed thinking because I think that just throughout the course of human history and then you know even now people are sinful you know we do wrong things and and even if you know we had like that point of perfection is unattainable for us you know cuz I think people kind of think well if I, if we just had all of our ducks in a row you know, if we could just do all of this, then, you know, we would be, you know, everything would be perfect. But I think that whenever you take into account that there are, you know, over, what, 7 billion people in on this planet with 7 billion different, you know, ideas of what perfection is, that idea of, of, of perfection being attainable on this earth seems rather silly. And... And so having that hope that Christ will one day, you know, restore all things back to their perfect state that once was, you know, is, is a really just encouraging and, and beautiful thing. And to, to think that, you know, he made that possible for me, like, it's just kind of a, a really, really amazing thought. So, <laughs> so in some ways... You know, we can look back over the past uh, few decades or centuries mm. and think things have gotten like so much better as far as poverty. Um, like the poorest people today are like kind of on the same level as far as the amount of food they have mm. as like some of the richer people back mid-century of like the last century, you know. And, and then medical advances, a lot of diseases that would... Uh, kill people not that long ago mm-hmm. now you just get a shot or whatever and you're you know you're okay and um and then also when we you just think about freedom um that's something when you think of humanity 
pretty recent that people mm-hmm. can make their own decisions and how they work and what they do and where they live. So there's a lot of um, advances and things to be thankful for. Mm-hmm. But then there's that, well, uh, the Christian message deals a lot with death. You know, that's like mm-hmm. the last enemy. And, you know, and that's a constant reminder that we all that we constantly have that you know we uh, deal with a world where we our bodies give way and you know mm-hmm. and uh, and there's um, there's death so um, and then there's the moral aspect um, that we're still um, you know kind of in a in a fundamental way flawed we know we don't measure up to what mm-hmm. we're supposed to be as humans so but um, you mentioned scripture quite a bit, as that's mm. really important to you to have your own life and so forth. Um, like, what's the source of your confidence in scripture and um, and your love for it, and just the desire that you know you be aligned with it and so mm. forth? Yeah. Um, so I think that. You know, for maybe people that don't know, I suppose they're, you know, I believe that the Bible is God's word that he has given to us um, through, you know, many thousands of years. Uh, uh, But I think that, you know, I can have, uh, what do you say, Uh, confidence, I think, in that it is true based on the fact that, you know, God says it is true. It's, you know, it's internally consistent with itself. The message doesn't change, you know, from the beginning, you know, whenever it was written, which I think, you know, about 4,000 years ago was whenever the first books of it, give or take, were were written. And then, um, but the message is internally consistent. And then it also aligns, you know, with um it it is historically accurate i guess is is something that you can put your a little bit of confidence in but but ultimately i think that the biggest thing about the bible that can give you you know confidence in its uh, authenticity maybe or its its truth is that you know for one thing, you know, it, God says that it is true, but then it also answers, you know, kind of like you said, you know, we have kind of a lot of, of, of problems, you know, and I think that it answers all of those fundamental questions that people have about life, you know, where did we come from? Where is this all going? Why is there evil in the world? What can be done about that? You know, and um, I think that for me, the reason that I want to be, I think you said, like align myself with it is just that there is, um, there, there is a, a wrong and, and right way to do things. And I think that that really can be seen by, you know, just some of the chaos that can be seen whenever people don't, you know, um, follow the, 
the the standards that have been laid out in Scripture. And then I think that you can see the ways that people are blessed by following the the things that are laid out in Scripture. I think a, a really um, really a good example of that really is just in families. I think that um, if you take just you know marriage for example is made and it was created by God. He has laid out that you know it is for one man and one woman until they um, until they die and that be through that union you would have offspring children and that then from that marriage you have the family and then from family you have really what I consider to be discipleship is um, as you teach those uh, children how to live according to God's word. And so I think that whenever you see people that uh, that don't do marriage or family according to God's standards, you can see a lot of the strife or pain or hardship that comes from that. Because I think you can see, you know, an example maybe, you know, a man and a woman, they, they, uh, they come together, but they're not married. And then they, you know, they have kids and you know, there's no commitment there. So then, you know, one day maybe the the dad decides to leave, then the mom is left with, you know, the kids that they've had. And then, you know, those kids don't have a good example of what a godly father looks like, those, or, you know, what a godly family looks like. The, the sons in that family don't have a good example of what a man should be. They go on to grow up and then, you know, follow kind of in the footsteps of that. And, you know, they have maybe relationships and have kids, but because they don't really know what they're supposed to be doing, then they, they end up abandoning those kids. And it's just kind of a vicious cycle of disobedience really. And, you know, the pain that that causes and, um, just kind of understanding that this book gives us, you know, I think it's in, uh, I think it's in Second Peter. You know, God has given us all that we need for life and godliness. And then in Second Timothy, it talks about, you know, all Scripture being inspired by God and profitable for, and it gives a list. And basically, that list is everything in life. You know, so I think it's just one of those things that. Um, for me, it's uh, it's really important to be aligned with Scripture because it is in it is God's word, you know. So um, I think that that's kind of where it gets the uh, the importance from for me. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned uh, like the kind of the moral, um, like that it's just right, you know, mm. the, the way that the Scripture. And that it seems to me like it does align with just the moral sense that we're all born with. Mm-hmm. Because if there's something that we just know, you know, in a real fundamental way, mm-hmm. is that there's right and wrong. Mm-hmm. And and scripture does seem to um, line up with that, um, not only in just the commandments, mm-hmm. but also in just the sense of. Um, the fear of God and just humil- the humility we should have, and um, 
just kind of more in an overall foundational way too but Mm -hmm. yeah and i think you know the the bible does say that the law of god is written on our hearts Mm -hmm. you know and and i think that is something that kind of again can kind of prove the the authenticity so to speak of of the scriptures that you know we know you know deep down that like murder is wrong Mm -hmm. or we know that you know you shouldn't you know like eat someone else or you know like that cannibalism is wrong and and so whenever we know that those things are wrong it's it's a concept that i've kind of heard it referred to as like for there to be a moral law there has to be a moral law giver and if there's a moral law giver you know how do we know you know what he is saying and i think it's you know the bible is is that you know it is god's law given to us but then also the story of the redemption of the human race really because or you know for those that will um will put their faith and trust in christ and repent of their sins you know that's something that they can can get to you know and i think that there's a there's just a like you said that kind of moral compass so to speak that is kind of pulling you in in ways that that you know certain things are wrong this kind of gives that better direction hmm. because i think that there are people that will say you know well yes murder's definitely wrong but then because it suits their kind of selfish ends, they may think they then may say, well, but abortion is okay. Where, you know, abortion really is just the murder of a child in their mother's womb. So it's kind of one of those things where if you don't have, though, the foundation of people, human beings, our image bearers of God, are important and have inestimable inestimable worth and value based on that then you you know you come to understand it isn't just wrong to murder you know a a a person outside of the womb but also a person inside of the womb because it it's kind of it would be kind of similar to saying like well you know it's 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 wrong for me to to murder someone in barnhart but if I go down to DeSoto, it's fine. Like location doesn't really change the fact that killing someone is wrong. But um, that that is kind of beside the point and kind of getting on in a, a, a rabbit trail there. But I think another kind of aspect of this a little bit is that, you know, we are, as humans, naturally worshipers. And so I think that kind of drawing that out a little bit, we are always looking for something to kind of live for in a sense. And I think that, you know, for some people it may be, you know, power or money or fame or, you know, it's a, you know, an endless list kind of, but you're, we are always kind of searching for something to give our heart's affection to. And I think that, you know, it's really important to give it to the right 
thing. And that's where, as a Christian, my, you know, my heart's affection, my greatest heart's affection and, and desires must be to, you know, live for the Lord and, you know, to give Him the praise that He is due. Because really, I, I think of our lives as an expression of worship. And, and I think that in that, it's kind of like, no matter what we do, we are doing it, like, what is your motivation behind doing what you're doing? Because I think that that kind of leads you to, um, you can kind of understand why people do what they do when you understand what their, like, what their motivation is or what their, really what their God is. I, I, I struggle thinking of it in, in other terms, really, because, you know, there is something in the human heart that is constantly just chasing after, you know, something to kind of fill the void that I think everyone kind of has naturally. And uh, I think people try to fill it with a lot of things that just can't support that weight, you know? And and I think that there is... Uh, the the having your life centered around Christ is something that will give you like it will satisfy you know and i think that that is something that people are kind of looking for in their pursuit is to to be satisfied to be made whole because i think a lot of people feel the brokenness that is within, you know, brokenness that originated from the first sin, you know, where we fell into sin, our perfect, you know, relationship with uh, God was broken at that point. And then as we feel that brokenness and see expressions of that brokenness in the world around us, you know, it leads us to trying to fill that with something. So... Yeah. Sorry, I'm kind of rambling now, but <laughs> that's but it's good. I just really really appreciate it. And I guess we should um finish just wrap up, mm. but um reminds me of I think the line in one of the Psalms, you know, taste and see that the Lord is mm. good, like centering a life on Christ, as you said, or having him as what we worship. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it does um lead to satisfaction, whereas I guess the opposing viewpoint is um, basically ourself, you know, mm-hmm. putting our uh, ourself first and either, um, you know, making a name for ourself or trying to fulfill um, just fleshly desires and mm-hmm. stuff. I don't know, but um, so... Anything um, to wrap up with um, as far as you don't blog or anything that you do you or that you want people to know um, about as far as following you or anything? Yeah, no, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I really don't have any kind of okay. digital footprint to speak of. And okay. uh, I would, you know, m- just kind of point people to 
you know, not that I think that following different people or different podcasts or different, you know, blogs and things like that are, aren't good. Like I do that personally, like I follow different people. Yeah. I think it's important though to just remember to follow Christ first, you know, and to, um, to follow him first and foremost and to give him your all. Because I think that's something that I kind of caught myself in a little bit was um, in my following different people, um, kind of getting caught up in those things. And, and really, I began seeing the ways that those things started affecting me and my attitudes and kind of in my, I would say, like my heart's disposition. <laughs> and so I think it's really crucial to remember that while there is de- definitely value and definitely a lot of good in seeking out, you know, um, wisdom, counsel, even, you know, just kind of being up to date and, uh, you know, like current events kind of things through, you know, the following of different people, just be reminded to follow after Christ because all of these things that are out there are, you know, they're calling to you to follow them and they will disciple you and they will, um, they will try to kind of align your heart with their message And I think it's important to remember that in all of that and in all of the wisdom and good that can be found out there, the the biggest and most important thing that you can can follow is the word of God and how, you know, to to build your life on the things that the word of God kind of calls us to, you know, and, and living, you know following after Christ as our example and how to live life, you know, to the honor and glory of the one who created us. So that's a, it's kind of a, a long kind of trail, but that's, well, <laughs> that's good. something I think... that I would encourage, encourage the listeners to, uh, to do. <laughs> All right. Well, I think it's a good place to end with. So thanks, Luke. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been a it's been a good time. I've enjoyed it.